Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. Don't forget in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Label Podcast. Me and Lucy didn't know who was going to start then, so just sort of awkward silence. We're very, very good uh, at this, aren't we? Very, very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So professional. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how are you doing today, Lucy? I'm all right. How are you, Alice? I'm tired. Yes. I'm always tired, I think, but I am especially tired. I think, I think the run-up to uh, Christmas is getting to us all, really. We'll be crawling past the finish line, won't we, at this rate? Yeah, I have decided, I don't know why, I've decided that I'm not going to have a drink for, like, the 10 days before Christmas. Right, now what? No. And it's been, it's been two days, and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Alice, Alice. <laughs> Alice. I did so before October this year, didn't I? Yeah. And what was I complaining about throughout the whole of October? <laughs> what am I not allowed to yeah. do anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think I felt like it's not, it wasn't even Christmas yet and I was drinking a bit much like and I was still having to go to work and stuff and then I was like, I'll just I'll just have a little break it's fine it will be Christmas soon <laughs> my last working day is the 22nd so I'm quite possibly going to start drinking on the 22nd yeah. and say hey it's Christmas now <laughs> having like gin in a mug on your team meeting I will yeah. uh, not that I've done that listeners <laughs> it's uh I know I've, I'm not quite there yet but it's getting close I did hear though my friend's bloke right she was all like oh they've got Baileys on offer at the minute because you know Christmas and stuff yeah. and she was like but my bloke drinks it like a long drink so he has what, like a like cocktail a no N not even like a cocktail like a tall glass <laughs> that's like 70% Baileys 10% milk and then a couple of ice cubes no but you see, well, see, you see Baileys is a pudding in my eyes yeah you know, no you don't put in a tall I... glass what's wrong with him no. into a buddy the elf I... <laughs> I I uh I well I just said she perhaps wants to keep an eye on that yeah um, that sounds like somebody who may be developing a problem <laughs> <laughs> my oh my Christmas does funny and, things uh... to people doesn't it? Oh, it's going to be even funny, even stranger when we release this episode in like June yes. and people are like, the fuck are you talking about Christmas for? Yeah, we didn't think this through, did we? It's no, going very yeah. well, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. Again, consummate professionals yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Luce, do you want to tell us a little bit about our guest we've got on today? Yeah, so our guest today is Charlie Randall. He, um, he lives, Charlie, where do you live? Is it Kent you live? Yeah, just outside London in Kent, yeah. Again. Just just give out his personal home address <laughs> in case anybody wants to. Um yeah, so Charlie and Charlie is one of uh the volunteers the network of volunteers 
one of the network of volunteers that I uh, work with in my day job. Um, so he heard I was doing a podcast and said, would you like a guest? And we said, yes, please. Um, so he's, he's, he's here with us today. So Charlie, would you like to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, you probably, well, being a podcast, you won't know this. I'm fully fledged ginger. Uh, I'm a wheelchair user. I'm five foot three. So yes, I didn't get the tall gene. And I also have a condition called cerebral palsy. And with that, I run a personal brand promoting disabled access and disabled lifestyle called NTPC. And that's sort of me in a nutshell without going into too much detail. <laughs> so, Charlie, can you tell us a little bit about um, growing up with cerebral palsy? Um, so, obviously, it's not something... So, I mean, I, I guess you were diagnosed with cerebral palsy because everybody is at some stage. But I suppose... Like with me, I mean, I've got cerebral palsy as well. So it was quite, it became quite obvious that, that something wasn't quite right. Unlike some of the people that we speak to, they, they kind of diagnose and everything fits into place. So how mm-hmm. old were you when you were diagnosed and somebody thought, actually, something's not quite right here? I think it was around 18 months. Um, my mum started noticing that I wasn't sort of hitting my milestones as normal um, and sort of wanted an opinion. Uh, and then took me to see a specialist and they diagnosed me with, um, well, mine's a bit complicated. If you go, so I've had surgeries in the States. They class me as um, quadriplegic because I've got um, joint radial heads. So I can't fully extend my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also can't supinate. But then if you come back to the UK, they go, yeah, that's completely unrelated. You're <laughs> diaplegic. Sit down, shut up, get on with it. Um, <laughs> no, so, um, yeah, so I got diagnosed around 18 months. And the reason for that was I stopped breathing. At, around about four weeks old, I got sent home from the hospital. Um, basically, I was premature. Mm. Got sent home from the hospital. They said, he needs a blood transfusion. Take him home, get him settled, and then bring him back on the Tuesday for the blood transfusion. That was on the Sunday. And I stopped breathing on my mum's lap because I caught a throat infection which then led to, uh, led to obviously that issue and then got blue lighted to two different hospitals and revived seven times so I have two lives left uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean well as 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 diagnosis stories go that is far far better than mine I mean I apparently there is this story that when I was growing up apparently I did stop breathing for a little while whilst I was at home in the crib my mom just blew in my face going <laughs> in my face <laughs> and I started breathing again so um there was no need to blue light me to any hospitals <laughs> so your your diagnosis goes is far more adventurous than mine and uh, and everybody that was the last time Lucy was quiet <laughs> well. yeah probably <laughs> um I think that was the last time I was quiet as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh so you you touched a bit there Charlie about your operations and you're going to the states for your operations now i've never had any operations at all because obviously i when i was the age um where they were talking about you know possibly giving me surgeries and things my mom sort of said lucy's not old enough to make that decision for herself and it's her body she 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 gets to make the decision so um can you sort of tell us a bit about 
your surgeries, what you've had done, and the, the kind of journey that you went on with that, or is it a bit too long ago? Yeah, yeah no, 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 I'm an open book. Um, if you want my full medical history, go for it. <laughs> yeah. um, um, so my first surgery from memory was when I was around six years old. Um, so this was when they lengthened my hamstrings. Um, and that surgery led to me being in cast for about six weeks. Mm. Now, the interesting bit of this story is um, I was very fortunate as a child and got to do quite a bit of traveling, particularly we always used to go on the biggest holidays sort of for New Year's. Yeah. Um, and anyway, we were on holiday in Dubai uh, for New Year's. My mum gets a phone call. I'm oblivious to this, by the way. Uh, gets a phone call saying, we've had a cancellation for this day. Do you reckon you can make it? And it just so happened it was the day we landed back in the UK. Wow. So oblivious six-year-old Charlie's like, yeah, we're going home. Had a good holiday. Nope, you're going straight to Guy's and St. Thomas's and straight under the knife. <laughs> and I had no idea about it. Um, but no, the... Terrified of holidays <laughs> since then. Just like, oh, like, God, what now? Yeah, <laughs> What, what's she like, going to sign me up for now? Yeah, coming back from holidays bad enough. <laughs> it's like, oh, back to heart, back home, back to work. It's like, oh, back to a terrifying major surgery. <laughs> um, but yeah, really, with that, with to be honest, with that surgery, I don't really remember too much. I remember say being in cast for a long time and sort mm. of being quite as a normal six-year-old would be with surgeries. Even as an adult, you're terrified, but. Um, as a six-year-old, it's even more daunting because you're like, "What has just happened?" Yeah. Um, mm. But so I don't. Other than sort of the the cast and sort of not being able to bend my legs and sort of the weakness, I don't really remember too much from that one. The major one I had was back in uh, 2012. I went out to the states and had a surgery called selective dorsal rhizotomy, um, which is essentially. Sounds a lot more gruesome than it is. They open up um, your spine and sever the nerves in your spine that are sending the wrong signals to your brain. Uh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Um, I'm glad I didn't have my turn then... before I started this chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then from, so I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> spine. So yeah, they open up, they seven the nerves in your spine that send the wrong signal to your brain. Yeah. And because of this, as Lucy probably know, naturally with CP you're quite stiff, you're quite rigid, um, and that sort of for me that was what I relied on for my strength. So this surgery sort of wipes that away and makes you rely a lot more on your muscle strength as opposed to your right. uh, your stiffness and your spasticness. Even though mm. I don't like that word. Um, so and from that it sort of gives you a lot more freedom of movement i was i was never able to wiggle my toes before it gave me that back um i was got a lot more control of what i was doing instead mm -hmm. of obviously it sort of just being all controlled by that stiff spastic ability but the issue was as they as you as you would have guessed it's quite intense surgery and they essentially wipe out everything you have to relearn the whole lot I think mm. the only thing I managed to keep was probably talking. <laughs> um, I was unable to sit. Uh, so you spend five days in hospital. You're not allowed to get off of your back. You're laying down um, and you sort of have very limited movement, obviously, because it's on your spine. If something goes wrong, mm. game over. Um, so then after the five days, you then uh, they say to you, you can then get out of bed. Um, you start moving around. But the issue I found was I'd lost all my strength. So I was unable mm. to sort of 
hold my head up. I was unable to sort of move and I was getting support from my parents for everything. I mean, the biggest memory I have is I had to get my dad to stand in front of me while I was on um, sitting on the toilet because otherwise I, I couldn't hold my head up to sit back. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess if, you know, if it's been your, as your spasticity, as yeah. you called it, I, I can understand I like not it. liking that word. Um, <sighs> that if it's been that that's been kind of holding you up, you're you're just gonna not gonna have any muscle strength, are you? Nope. It's that you haven't been using them. So as soon nope. as they're kind of called upon to be used, yeah. You know, I I haven't done a sit up for about six months. So I tried <laughs> to get myself into a sitting position the other day and got stuck halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's happened to me plenty of times, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, occasionally, I was referred for neurophysio because I was suffering with a lot of pain um, about two years ago. And I keep going back every now and again for, for, for sessions um, of, of this physio. But I, so, so I went and the physio in the first instance really made me cry because she was focusing on everything I couldn't do, like if I could remember my own yeah. name, all that kind of stuff. And when, once we got into the actual sessions, I realised that my core strength is like jelly. <laughs> so you let go of me and I just flop over. I can't hold myself up unless I'm really, really concentrated. I'm like, this morning I got out of bed and I, I was waiting for my chair. Mum was bringing my shower chair so I could get in the shower. And I'm clinging onto the bed like Rose in the Titanic, like... Singing onto the door, like don't fall over, don't fall. I'm having to keep saying to myself, don't fall over, because as soon as I don't think about it and start doing something, I'll just go whoop on the like on the. It's just quite embarrassing, really. But it did. Lucy, is this why you stopped drinking? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but it did. It did. You know, with with physio and the the training and stuff like they were they were like poking my muscles, going you know that switch this muscle. I was like, I can't even feel that. Are you poking me? Yeah. But it did get better, so I can't imagine it. I mean, I don't know what your core strength was like before your operation. So was it, was um, it something that was there, but then you just had to learn right from the off again? Um, to be honest, I don't really know. Um, it's, it's, it's one and things like, so the biggest change for me was obviously when I came home from the surgery, I got forced to do so many, uh, so many physio sessions. I was seeing all different people. I Basically, they... The doctor turned around to me and said, look, if you don't do the work, you're going to end up worse than you started yeah, out. Yeah. Um, mm. And I as a 12-year-old, I was a typical 12-year-old boy. I, I just wanted to sit and play PlayStation all day. <laughs> I didn't want to go to physio. I was sick. I was like, Mom, why, why did you sign me up for this? <laughs> um, and then, um, basically, I went to London 2012, and the switch just went, and that was it. I went from lazy teenager to fitness freak in a matter of days, I think it was. Um, wow. And then I got addicted to sort of going to the gym, swimming. Um, and essentially, they turned around and went, we don't need you to do any of the physio stuff. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, Really? So um, you you, that, you took the mantle on, really, and said, I'm, I'm going to do this myself. I don't need somebody poking my muscles going, can you feel that? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So, and to be fair, the, the big first step my addiction was I as say I got very into swimming got to quite a high level wanted to go to G uh wanted to go to the Paralympics so I got as I say I got addicted very quickly and it it worked out for the better really um 
And yeah, now sort of exercising doesn't really phase me. It's something that if I don't do it for a week, I'm like, okay, I, what's going on? This doesn't feel right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm one of them strange people. Um, but no, so it, it was a steep learning curve, particularly because they prefer to do the surgery on younger kids because mm. they have less opportunity to sort of learn bad habits of like standing on your tippy toes, uh, dragging your feet, not sitting up straight, things like that. So they prefer to sort of hit the nail on the head and get in early. But obviously I was older. The issue with that was uh, we stayed in a hotel with a lot of other English families that were also going through the surgery. But as I say, they're all little kids. So I was getting parents going, is my child going to be bullied? It, what's it like being disabled and a teenager? Oh, and I'm like, yes. Christ, what did I say that for? <laughs> I'm not your babysitter. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can understand that, you know, parents sort of wanting to do that and wanting to ask those questions but i don't put that on a kid like that's what this that's what this shows for like yes people can come to us and be like oh is my kid gonna get bullied as a teenager and the answer is yes probably Probably. people are horrible yeah Yeah. um (laughs) but if it's not because they're disabled it will be because they're ginger (laughs) so kids will find a reason to pick on other kids yes mine was because i was a bit of a swat really (laughs) um that was me too yeah um yeah i think i think the kids parents of disabled kids can often use older people who've got disabilities as like crystal but they think we're mystic meg and we'll be able to tell them everything (laughs) when when actually the reality of it is everybody's disability journey is completely different you mm. know, some people some people listen to this might go, Well, I was never bullied. Well, aren't you looking? <laughs> That's all I'm yeah. okay. <laughs> where, where did you go to <laughs> school? Yeah. Um, no, I, to be honest, the hardest thing was obviously I'm very lucky that one I think my condition made me a lot more mature than I I actually like my age mm. is. So mm. I I did feel comfortable sort of trying to attempt to answer those questions, although there was that big part of me that's like I Although I really want to tell you the truth, I do not want to shatter your world. No. So I've got to tread very carefully here. And I'm sure as a 12-year-old, it's like, how do you go and approach that sort of conversation, particularly when their child's like four and you're about yeah. to come out and be like, yeah, most likely you, they are could be bullied, but you've got these options to possibly look at. Um, yeah. It was just a hard conversation to have. But to honest, that's probably where my love of, talking to people comes from is I'm always I'm an open book that's why I'm on the form when I filled out for the show any questions that you're not comfortable <laughs> with no go for it <laughs> slaughter me if you want I don't mind um and I, I like being like that because it means that people aren't nervy around me and I can answer the questions that probably other people might not yeah. because I'm like look I'll just tell you because I'd rather tell you and then you've got the answer <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I always say like ask me any question you want because i've heard i've heard all the stupid questions yep and i will answer yep. anything if you want to ask me a question ask me a question and if it is there's slightly more things that you dare not ask just ask it anyway because if i don't if i don't want to answer i won't answer you might but um yep. yeah i often think that's the best talk- way to be really i mean yeah. my post my personal favourite is when they come straight in with a sex life story, yeah. uh, question. Yeah. I'm like, really, guys? Is that a straight way? <laughs> wow. I think that says more about people than, like, any, like, like, you know, I absolutely have people asking me about my, like, 
being visually impaired or having a guide dog and stuff but there is a certain kind of person who comes at me and it's oh is that is that your working dog and I'm like yes I'm visually impaired and then it's straight into how do you manage her shit and I'm like (laughs) if that is the first (laughs) question you've got like I dread to know what else is going on in your head. Yeah. How do you clean up the yeah. dog shit? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, of people will often. I always know when when we're heading down the sex life questions when somebody says they'll come up to me and but they won't go. Oh, you you know you look like quite. They don't use the normal pickup lenses. Can you feel your legs? Yeah. <laughs> Depends where you're touching them, mate, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just think, what? Oh, my other favourite, and I, I know that obviously there are some um, some disability couples, I don't know what the right phrase is. My per- my personal favourite is the instant question of, oh, you got a girlfriend? Yeah. Is she disabled? And I'm like, is there a telepathy <laughs> thing where we all get together and it's, that's, we all meet up at a pub? Like, yeah. Oh, I saw I saw a thing on Facebook a few months ago. People going on about interabled couples, and I and it was it was really interesting because I've got a friend who is she's white and her partner is not, and she proudly refers to themselves. And we did some work with this older couple, and she was like, "Oh, it's really nice to see an older interracial couple." And she's very like interracial is something she's proud to identify herself with i was like interabled yeah that, makes it sound like he's my my husband's my fucking mind makes us sound oh, just like the the non-disabled person is the alien and basically <sighs> you are with et really i i i just i really didn't i really but i don't know what what is the appropriate term because i do you know there are I understand the necessity for phrases like interracial if you're in an interracial couple and that's something that you want to kind of identify and raise awareness of but I don't know if there's a like I don't feel like there's a phrase that I want to apply to or just because it all just makes me feel like somebody's they've, they've gone oh that's nice that your husband decided to marry you, you. Know, <laughs> yeah Oh, that's not. It's like my husband had absolutely no fucking say in our relationship. <laughs> I, I turned up and I went, "Yes, I'll have one of those, please." Yeah. So this is where I, I've got a bit of a different start from this because I, 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 I'm in an intra-abled relationship, and I don't mind. I don't mind that phrase. That phrase right. doesn't. See, that's where it got interesting because I. I pitched it for a, a journalist was asking to speak to some interabled relationship. Uh, I think I saw that post. Yeah, I I don't necessarily have a problem with it, and I I felt quite uneasy that a lot of the disabled community were going off at it. But I'm like, <laughs> he's trying. Like he's trying. You can't like. I mean, there's a, there's a line where I'm like, look, okay, I get I get why you don't like it, but chill it's okay yeah oh yeah absolutely there's bigger issues really to be honest i think that was my biggest issue i was like really of all the things to pick people up on is this the one we're gonna go for (laughs) is that the hill you want to die on (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's it is i think i because i remember the post and i remember sort of i think it is an important thing to kind of interrogate and i think if anybody 
the people who should be asking those questions are like journalists and educators mm. and people like that, not just some bloke at the pub <laughs> who's like, oh, I'm going to be a bit creepy and ask you if you've got a boyfriend and then follow it up with, you know. Can you feel oh, your legs? Some, exactly. <laughs> some comment about you not being able to walk afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 it's, but it is, I think it is, you know, like, like you said, you recognise that there are people that don't like that phrase, but yeah, you know, I'd be interested to know how, sort of, what your your partner's thoughts on it are, because now, as Lucy said I, it's that kind of it's it's alienating the able-bodied person. I can tell you, Gina's uh, Gina's thoughts on it. Um, she was the same as me. We're both very. Yeah, we're both very, look, it is what it is. Like, it, it's a phrase that's used to describe it. It's like, I'm, very, like, uh, you know, there's this whole thing going around with, um, you can't call it disabled friendly, it's got to be accessible to you. Yeah. I understand that concept, but then, for me personally, I don't have a problem if, if someone says that's the disabled toilet, I'm like, cool, thanks. <laughs> thanks, because I really need a wee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We had this conversation at work the other day. We've got this thing, because uh, I work in social care, and we got this thing around from our marketing team that was like, these are the words you should be using like when you're talking about people, like diversity things. And it was had the, you know, BAME and stuff like that. And um, one of them was disabled person. And somebody in my team kicked up a huge fuss and, actually a couple of people in my team um one of whom doesn't identify as disabled kicked up a bit of a fuss and was sort of saying no they think that word's really antiquated they think you know it's putting the disability first and it should be person with a disability because you should put the person first and nobody identifies as a disabled person anymore and I went well I do because disabled person is less characters on a tweet on a tweet than uh priorities, Alice. Than dis- priorities. <laughs> life is too love fucking it. short isn't it love like... it i mean i used to go i used to, like go back to the whole school thing of being teased like i'm i'm very there's a there's a thing with me where if you're in my inner circle you can rip me to pieces i don't care it's an out if an outsider comes in like oh i want to join it yeah go, go, go sit down yeah. but anyway my like my name's at school i had cryptnips because I've got a big chest and I'm in a wheelchair. <laughs> I had Hot Wheels because Ginger. Yeah, I, think every, I think everybody in a wheelchair has been called Hot Wheels at some point in their life. Yeah. Yes. I think Charles Xavier yeah. is another one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm very like, uh, you can call me what you want as long as you don't overset the mark. Yeah. Like, it's when people try and join that bandwagon and I've known you five minutes it's like, whoa, 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 calm down. My, fr- my, my friends are exactly the same and I think as well they get quite protective so they can take the piss because they're my friends and I've known them years and I love yeah. them dearly because I will also take the piss out of them as well. My best friend is yeah. bald and he gets called baldy constantly. Like, can you move your head back? Why? Because the light's bouncing off your head. I can't see you're blinding me, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Sorry, Tom, if you listen. <laughs> I think that's that sort of thing does extend beyond like it's it's a sign of a sort of a type of friendship, and I think also a kind of a generational thing. Like mm. I can remember when my brother was twelve, thirteen. He's 
four years younger than me. We were, I'd met him out of school for some reason. And we were having a fucking argument in the, like walking home in the middle of the street. And I was going, rah, rah, rah. I was really pissed off at him. My brother, bless him. Not now. Now he's six foot and goes to the gym and looks amazing. But when he was 13, he was, he was a bit of a chunk. And, uh, <laughs> and we walked. I'm in the middle of like bitching at him and having a go and being like a pissed off older sister. And we walked past a couple of kids from his school and they, and I can't even remember what they said to him. They said something to him about his weight. And I stopped mid like tirade at my brother and turned around to these kids. And I went, I beg your fucking pardon. <laughs> my fucking brother like that. And it's just, I think it, there, there's an element of, and I, I do think it is kind of a generational mm. thing. Uh, we, yeah. we do, we, we know that we can, we can take the piss. And I suspect it's because we've all had the piss taken out of us by other people. Yeah. yeah. But we've learned to kind of go, well, you know what? Sometimes, like, sometimes it's funny and yeah. it's harmless, but it does depend on the person. And, it, and there are lines. Mm. There are definitely times where I've gone, Mm, I don't care who you are. That's a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, on just quickly because it's probably a funny thing to add in. So on that note of your uh, you protecting your brother, I've got one. So we were uh, my sister was at secondary school, and um, someone was just teasing her, and then made the connection of oh, you thank you, you got to say brother. Wouldn't it be funny to see um, see him swim? Ironically, I turned out to be almost a semi-professional swimmer. <laughs> and also, do you know what then my sister did? Snapped his collarbone. <gasps> no oh, way! <laughs> I'm not going to the wrong side of you. Jeepers! Good <laughs> I mean, you know how to round off your story, Charlie, if I'm honest. My sister, yeah. <laughs> sister snapped some bastard's collarbone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where's he gonna chat shit? Be ready for the yeah. question. Yeah. See, we're not. We're like we're we're very well connected in the disability world. We're like a mafia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. So Charlie, you were talking before, obviously, about the the interabled relationship. Let's call it that because I mean yeah. Charlie's not bothered, yeah. so we'll call it that. Um, yeah. Does Gina find that like when when people discover that she just happens to be going out with a man who is disabled. Do people, like, treat her like some sort of hero? Yes, even... Uh, to he only does it when he's drunk, but even my uncle does it. Uh, <laughs> my uncle is known to do the whole, thank you, and I'm like, thank you? I'm not a booby prize. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but no, yeah, she does often. She gets kind of... Or there's this double take of, like, wait, you date a disabled bloke? And she's like, yeah, like... What's the problem with that? I think the big thing as well, there's a, um, and I know Gina did a post about it on her Instagram, um, about the whole, there's this thought that she does more, loads and loads for me and I do fuck all for her yeah. because I'm a lazy piece of shit. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's good to sort of have that conversation, particularly with our two platforms, because she can say it from her perspective and she knows that, like, yeah, anything that I can do, I will do. Mm. So I think that's the other thing as well. There's that often that sort of, thought that oh she must do everything for you and I'm like no no it's pretty even mm. playing field I mean I've my Gina's originally from Birmingham and obviously um now she lives with me in Kent 
the amount of times I would drive to Birmingham at a ridiculous hour <laughs> just for the shit to giggles. And I'm like, yeah. So I think that's the that's the big thing as well is that whole thing. People don't see it as an even playing field, and it it, it is. And uh, it's just it, ha- it happened. I mean, me and Gina, if you, oh, I, I might as well say it. We met basically. My friend went to a job interview up at the BBC Studios in Birmingham. Met Gina, uh, found out that Gina ran a YouTube channel and was like, oh, my friend Charlie runs a YouTube channel. They started joking about me. Um, he would say stories of obviously the times he's like, terrorised me and threw, threw me out of my wheelchair. Uh, and then was like, oh, you two would probably get along, like probably share ideas. And then one thing led to another and here we are, yeah. three years later. Yeah. So, Do you find that... And then it, sorry, Charlie. Do you find that society as well either doesn't take your relationship as seriously as say maybe your sister with her fa- fella or pa- old partner I should uh, say um, I don't know it's not, I'm not sure on that one because uh, yeah I don't know I can't think of any examples where I haven't really been taken seriously I mean there's the big curveball that we throw at a lot of people because we're both ginger and apparently if you're both ginger everyone just assumes you're both really, uh, brother and <laughs> Yeah, especially because my, my sister's blonde. Right. So everyone gets the opposite. So I'm like, no, no, that's my sister. <laughs> that's my girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. Or you just throw a complete curveball and just start kissing, and everyone goes, "Wait, what?" Where's <laughs> 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 <Yes>, Jeremy <laughs> Kyle? <laughs> yeah. So I think society, society-wise, the the biggest issue I face is that people, like I say, people see it as a boobie prize, or they're like, oh, like. um saying thank you to you know, for taking me on yeah. or oh it must be really hard being with Charlie I'm like if it was hard do you really think she would be here <laughs> yeah. do you think people wonder what's wrong with her that she chose to be with you I mean I wonder that every day but <laughs> 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 um, uh yeah I'm not necessarily what's wrong with you what's wrong with her it's more like what well, maybe what does she see um, yeah maybe yeah. let's so there think... must be something Gone. I was just gonna say because I think like my husband is uh, he's he's very caring and he's very like problem solving but in a really practical way and I think mm. that that works really well with my disability because the sort of issues I have generally are very practical ones where he can be like well yeah. I can do this and it's a really active practical thing he can do to fix a problem and that, that's how he gets his jollies basically <laughs> and uh, love you darling um fucking listen to this you know i think i think we're talking about people we're outside of this circle and they're all going to be like really friends with because we just forget people are going to listen to this oh no i i my husband gets enough of my voice like throughout the day he is not going to choose to listen to a podcast i make and Dina edits most of our videos so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think like, and I sort of, I, I often think actually the fact that I've got a disability, although it's not what attracted my husband to me, it's an element of the reason why our relationship works is yeah. because we fit, to, we're compatible in what my needs are and how he likes to kind of deliver his yeah. other people's sort of needs. And I think uh, the other thing is Gina's a massive caring person. I mean, she's she works for kids she'll do anything for anyone she's extremely friendly sometimes she'll she'll take too much on so I think that works 
obviously well with you obviously supporting me but also she's not afraid to just leave me to it mm. um because yeah. you, you know obviously as anyone would if you spend enough time with an individual you know what they're capable of and I think it's just that yeah I'd say it's just that being compatible I mean mm. like, and I think <laughs> I think the bottom line of it is if you if you love somebody you would just if and they need if that person you love needed help doing something no matter what it was you would help them wouldn't you yeah. you know if it's a case of think, putting your sock on or tying your shoelaces up you would yeah. you would do it you know as long with you know all the other grotty stuff that nobody really sees or talks about you know it's a bit yeah. taboo thing you know if it's something that you're the person you love needs help with then you you do it wouldn't you no questions asked because i know i would yeah <laughs> I mean, um, the other thing as well is that, do you know what I mean? She she's suffered with anxiety in the past. Mm. Obviously. See, I, I've i learned to adapt and understand sort of ha- what helps her, what the warning signs are and help her through that. So we support each other both ways. And like I say, mm. you, you, you do, you do all the horrible stuff. Like many a time have I been dealing with Gina when she's ill and she's the worst person <laughs> when she's ill, uh, especially because I've got a stronger stomach. It's just, it's not fun. Um, <laughs> But, <laughs> no, I think, yeah, as you say, it's that hot. The the other the one thing I struggle with is I can't put my own shoes on. Hmm. Biggest thing that's the most annoying is because it's the only thing I can't do independently, and it drives me bloody insane. <laughs> but and everyone's like, oh, oh, your girlfriend helps you with that. And I'm like, yeah, she doesn't bat an eyelid. I mean, the funniest thing is my girlfriend will do it, no question. My mum, depending on what mood I catch her in, is like, for fuck's sake, wash it up, bad, like. Yeah, that's probably because she's been dealing with it for 21 years but um yeah. it, it doesn't my husband ha- checks my makeup for me all the time oh, all the time he'll was, be he'll because because I, I just can't see well enough no. but I want to yeah. go out with a full face makeup and he'll be like oh you got and you know so I've lost count of how many times that man has had to like spit clean a bit of mascara off my cheek and stuff like that yeah. and he, bless, he doesn't know what anything is so he'll be like that stuff that's on your eyes and I'm like there's about eight things on my eyes I need you to be more with the colour with the colour <laughs> yeah I mean is David available to come round to my house and check my face before I leave the house <laughs> I can see what um, I can do with that if I'm honest <laughs> bless him he's even done things like he's he's offered to like learn how to do makeup so he can do my makeup for me oh my god alice i know i know i'm like you love me so much more than i love you i would not do that for you (laughs) gina ties my hair up every day so (laughs) because i haven't got the dexterity in my hands to be able to do it myself so the worst thing is, if she goes out before, like, I, I need my hair, though. I've just got to submit to the curliness, and that's me for the day. Um, I think I think at the end of the day, just because somebody is in a wheelchair does not take any extra effort, because if you love them, you love them, and that's it, you know? All the extra stuff, yeah, think... it just comes under the umbrella of, I love this man, I love this woman, Let's, uh, I will do that for you, because I love you. That... I think the yeah, other... I think... I'm a massive stuck up, which probably helps me in that situation as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... um, it's a, it's a weird one because, like, people... Yeah, people do. They just have a stigma about it that, oh, it must be difficult or it must be... You must be arguing all the time or you must be doing this. And it's like, no, we're a normal relationship. If, if there is such a thing, mm. everyone just has their own... It's their own normal. And, you know... And my it, relationship... Every relationship is different, doesn't it? It looks, you know, looks like 
completely different forms in every shape, doesn't it, really? Yeah. So yeah. here's here's my question. As somebody <laughs> who so as somebody who's who's you know, it's a, I've got a sensory impairment for me. Before I met my husband, I didn't have my guide dog. I didn't use a stick. I pass a lot. So I had to have a sit down with my husband. So we, I've known him. We've been together for 10 years. I've known him for 15 or something like that because his oldest friend is going out with my best friend. Um, and we joke around that basically we started going out because we were the only two single people in our friend group at this time. And I was like, fuck it, you'll do. Um, <laughs> what the hell are you doing And uh, he, so obviously when we, we started dating, he'd seen me out and he'd seen me at pies and we'd been around each other a lot. But my best friend was always on hand to do the guiding and the supporting. So he knew I couldn't see and all of this, but he didn't really understand the level and complexity of what my needs were so we had to have a sit down conversation early on in the relationship and you know a couple times kind of coming back to it going I can't do this I need help with this I can do this fuck off and leave me alone yeah yeah is that you know is that it's as somebody who you know for me as as I say my my disability is perhaps not as clear sort of when you yeah. first meet me in your early interactions yeah. is that something was that a conversation you and Gina had to have early on uh, that's a tough one because we um we our, our relationship sort of started online that sounds really mm-hmm. good um <laughs> our, yeah our relationship sort of started online so we were always bouncing uh firing questions at each other so I'd answer her she'd answer mine and so we did a lot of the sort of background checking before yeah before it happened but then the other thing as well is because i'd explained to gina that um in previous relationships um there hadn't really been that support in terms of like people were quite uncomfortable with helping me yeah and then mm-hmm. I said, and uh, she kind of got the impression that my family saw that as sort of a main worry whenever i was getting into a relationship so it, it was quite cute to me that she was like she was fighting to be the first one up to help and i'm like <laughs> hold on what what's going on here like my sister would stand up to help me get to the bathroom and uh Gina's like no no sit sit down sit down I'm doing this um so for me as I say for me it was very it was quite a natural transition obviously there were yeah. things particularly when we started living together there were things obviously we realized oh actually I need to explain that I can't do this and I can do this but it was all fairly natural and I'd say I'm very I'm an open book in terms of if I, if I don't need your help, fuck off, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not so, like you had to have yeah. like a summit and a big like folder of this is what you need to do and this is yeah. what I can't do and <laughs> have a yeah. read of that. And come back to me in two in, in forty days. Yeah. <laughs> what your opinion is? Yeah. Um, Where's the returns policy? <laughs> yeah. If you if you keep it for longer than sixty days, I'm yours. Yeah. That's it. Game over. No reason. <laughs> and I think that's that's another thing. It's like everyone expects everyone to come with a fucking handbook. How do you like? How do you do this? How do you do this? What do you do in this situation? I don't know. I've never been in that situation before. I was just gonna say. I think it's really interesting because my husband literally went to my best friend and went, "What what does she need me to do?" 
but that for me is more kind of indicative of him he was like i like this girl i want to be able to take her out tell me what i need to do to be able to take her out rather than yeah then i guess you know he wanted to be able to take me out and have dates and chats with me that weren't like so you're disabled tell me about that yeah yeah which is what i often get yeah if i go out with I kind of enjoy, like, to be honest, that sounds really weird, but I kind of enjoy that element of it because I'm like, okay, let's just get all the stupid shit out of the way first. <laughs> like, let's get all the stupid questions you want to go with and let's just get that out there and then we, we can move on, shall we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So literally, the yeah. first two days of me and Gina messing each other was her just going, so what do you do in this situation? What do you do in this situation? Can you do Can you do this? Can you feel this? Mm. And I'm like... And to be honest, I, I get a lot of banter from it because I say, as you probably heard from this podcast, I just take the piss out of myself. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not so good at that. I've fallen over, nearly fallen off a cliff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't lie to you. I can't put my feet down properly. Of course I'm going to fall over. That kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yep. I, I, I think, I mean, I can't really speak for relationships because, uh, you know, I've not been in one for a very long time. But when, I, especially when it happens, even with friendships, sometimes if I'm making a new friend and you're having that initial conversation of, this is what I can't do, this is what I can do, this is what we're going to need a bit of help with, that, but it, like, if the friend asks you, it's, I, I find, like, when, when we were starting this podcast, Alice, we, you were like, you know what what happens do you need to have a lie down at like night times and that kind of thing you ask those questions those are absolutely fine but when when I can tell somebody is nervous and they want I could sense when they want to ask me a question but they 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 are like they're beating around the bush (laughs) Because, because I know they're nervous I will tell them what I can't do and then sort of like play it down because it's no big to me it's no big deal but when I tell somebody it's like oh my god that's that's the that's like a big thing to work around and actually it's not Mm. because I've been doing it for 30 odd years you know what I mean um yeah when so when somebody else on the outside hears it and they think oh my god that is a massive thing to negotiate so there then I'm playing it down going but it's no problem because like if you want to go and do something, just ask me how we can manage. I quite like it when people ask, like, would you like to go here? Yes, please. Uh, and what do I need to be aware of? I yeah, think, um, yeah. What do we do to make what, sure you can yeah, do it? What, what can I do to help to, to make you included? I think, oh, you're a diamond duel. <laughs> and you really like me because you want me to come to the pub. That is up a staircase. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um but it is good that, but I do find a lot of the time that I'm sort of like playing it down because to me it's not a big deal. But I know that the way I word it sometimes, being very matter of fact, it makes it sound like it's a big deal. Actually, it's not. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think that's the thing that a lot of people have is the whole they think it's this big thing, but then all of a sudden you got to realise like I've been we've been doing this shit for years. Yeah, yeah. I, we are experts in this. People watch to get my wheelchair out it's like a mclaren pit stop <laughs> yeah and do it with your eyes shut one, one arm behind your back um I don't, yeah. the classic example is when you go to job interviews and you sort of say well I, I i have a support worker that is with me all the time when i'm at work but they won't get in your way and they they certainly won't get in my way but you can see that as soon as like i mentioned that i need extra pair of hands 
they're like, oh crap. Uh, this is going to be a logistical nightmare. Does somebody need to call HR? What do we do now? And you can, that, I think, that is the thing that everybody goes, oh, um, okay, next. Don't call us, we'll call yeah. you, that kind of thing. And you think, no, it's not a big deal. Basically, Lynn sits in the corner and makes me cups of tea when I ask. Yeah. And takes yeah. me to she the She might corner. make you one if, if you, you are. Nice. In fact, she probably <laughs> offer. Does anybody want a cup of tea? Because yeah. she makes about <laughs> four. And they got a runner. Yeah, yeah. And they automatically think, oh my God, that's a fire hazard. We only want one person. And I pay pay through access to work for my PA. It does not cost the company. It's like, it's, you just, and I just, and I, it feels like I've got a cardboard box on my head when I can reach those situations. And you can see that the other person, I've just told you, very matter of factly, what I do in this situation. Now you're panicking and there is no need to panic because the person who needs to panic is me. And if I'm not panicking, you don't need to panic. And I yeah. I feel like I've got a cardboard box on my head because I just want to scream at them and say, just calm down. <laughs> well, and people sort of, they, they look at you there with your support worker, like you've, like you've brought your mate. Yeah. And it's like, no, I didn't bring her along just for a chat. Yes, we're also talking about getting our nails done and shit like that. But actually, I need her because of my disability. This isn't, uh, you know, we're just, we're just, ha- I brought my mate to hang out with me. And yeah, she's not doing anything. She can do some work for yeah. you. And that's the thing. I don't employ horrible PAs. They're very friendly <laughs> or very approachable. They're not dragons because I've got to sit and work with them all day. Yeah, so- I was say, could you imagine? I really don't like you, <laughs> and I'm stuck with you for how long? <laughs> Sometimes, though, I think I'd quite like someone that's like like an aggressive Doberman who is, unless anybody, when anybody tries to approach me, they just start going. But I can touch them; it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I know what you mean. But you just think to, I do half of the time. I feel like I should wear a t-shirt that says "Don't panic, it's all right." Don't panic. Yeah. Don't panic. It's only a wheelchair. We need one. Of, we need those t-shirts that say "I'm with stupid," but point into our PA. Yes. So it's like yeah. not us, it's them. Yeah. <laughs> They're the ones that you need to worry about. No, it's um, it's uh, it's it just baffles me sometimes that something I say you you ask the question and then when I tell you the truth, you panic. Mm. If you're going to panic, don't ask the question. I think employment as a disabled person is a whole whole kettle of fish that you do not want to get involved <laughs> with if you can avoid it. Um, because as they, for me, I got the client from 47 job roles purely because I couldn't get in the bloody building. Mm. And I'm like, mm, And then I remember Carrie put up a post the other day saying like, oh, isn't it amazing how like people have started working from home, but yet we've been trying to do this for years. Yeah. And everyone's like, no. Yeah. It real, that really boiled my piss because for years people have gone, yeah, you really need to be in the office Monday to Friday, nine till five, and you, there's no flexibility. And now, now that, average gym uh can't go to work yeah. it's like oh okay jim we'll uh we'll say it with a laptop and we'll do weekly team meetings it's absolutely fine and you think really yeah. really um mm-hmm. yeah it that it yeah i think the other thing is like uh living near london fucking hell getting on a train as a wheelchair oh, user Jesus fucking fucking <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's uh unique to london that's everywhere like <laughs> <laughs> no, I I definitely know like those that 
fucking morning commute on the tube and shit as no. well where you literally can't move and people will stab you if you take up more than mm -hmm. one person's worth yep. of space yep. yep or you have a train warden that you ask for the ramp and it's like you oh. just ask for the world charlie and it's charlie, like... charlie 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 do not get me started on the train warden with the ramp because if anything is gonna make me so cross it is the woman who is waddling like there is she's got all the time in the world. i've got a meeting to get to and she's going like it's just a sunday morning like okay i'm coming i'm coming just move move no, i didn't I figured out the the key that they used to unlock the ramps. I nearly went out and bought one. <laughs> Did you get one? You should. I, I, I'm still looking at it. Because basically, I'm sitting like, most of the time when I go up London, I'm either with my mate or Gina. Yeah. I'm like, well, one of them could get the ramp. Like, they're fucking quicker than their blocks. Yeah. <laughs> and it was only till recently um, that I, I realised that that ramp is stored on the train. Isn't yeah. it? I, it's only recently I re I realised this. I what when I found that out, I was fuming. Fum yeah, or the other one that's my favourite is what time are you coming home? And I'm like, all right, mum. What? <laughs> 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 what time is Give us three oh. rings. <laughs> I'm going to the pub. I, are you telling me that Laura, when she goes to the pub, tells you, oh, I'll be back at nine o one, just for your convenience? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's um. The, the the one person in the world that makes me crosser than ever, anybody else I know is the uh, special assistant woman at Birmingham New Street Station. <laughs> I don't know what ah, yep. you don't know what uh, I'm talking about. My God. Yep. Oh, <laughs> I don't know her name, but she's got a face like a yep. flapped ass. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing is whenever I've gone up north, the Midlands, I always think, Every, sorry, everyone in our, everyone in London who works for TFL, most of them that I've come across is an absolute arsehole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they won't help you unless it's at, at ultimate peril. Yeah. Whereas if I've gone to, up to the Midlands, they're, yeah, yeah, we'll give you a hand. It's all right. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, why, why, why is it Southerners are all just like, nah, we've got to be everywhere. Uh, like, no, you see, my experience is completely opposite. Like, because I live, I live in the Midlands now, but I grew up in London and I go down uh, to London fairly regularly. And so when I rock up at St Pancras, I'm like, oh, I just sort of point at the dog and they're like, oh, can we help you, miss? And it's like random blokes give me their arm and I just wonder, uh, they pass me from person to person like we're playing right. a relay or something. But it's great. Like I always get a seat on the tube. People move out. like They stop the escalator for me. Like, Whereas, you know, if I want to get some assistance at New Street, uh, I have to find somebody and then go, oh, uh, my train's in 15 minutes. I don't suppose you could get someone to help me down to the platform. And they'll be like, all right, you take a seat there. 45 minutes later, they've forgotten about yeah. me. Eight trains have yeah. gone since. I went to the German market about two years ago. We when yeah. When we're not in COVID times, we go and do the German market and I eat a big sausage and everybody marvels at how well I can handle a big sausage. Okay. <laughs> but I, I can't believe... Once again, guys, Lucy is single for those who are interested. <laughs> I can't believe... My friends look at me like, I can't believe you're just eating that and it's taking you like four minutes. What is wrong with you? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Only four minutes. Only yeah. Single, oh, single and, and looking. <laughs> um. Anyway, um. Could you? I've just got no filter. It's really good when you got a podcast. Um. 
We might have to edit that bit out. Um, anyway. <laughs> we'll edit that out. We'll put it on your hinge profile. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Use it for subscribers only. Um, <laughs> um, the X-rated version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Released at midnight. Um, <laughs> the, the fact that we go to the German market, so I am freezing. I am in a half a sleeping bag. That um, So I've got a half a sleeping bag over my legs to keep me warm. But I am still yep. freezing cold because it's Birmingham in November <laughs> and it's wet yep. and it's rainy and cold. So when I've had enough beer and sausage, I will go to um, the train station oh, what a <laughs> because I want to She's go home. She's a fucking classy bird, isn't she? Uh, yeah. With a beer yeah. and a fucking <laughs> foot-long sausage by the sound of it. Yeah. Um, I love to show you the pictures, Alice. It's hilarious because we always do a shot of me with the, with the, the sausage every year. It's like a tradition. I should have a calendar by now. Um, we'll have to put it up on the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I go to the train station to get on the train to come home. I'm cold, I'm wet, I'm tired, and I want to go home. I've had a beer, so I'm tired. I go to the special assistance lounge. <laughs> this was about three years ago, and I said, uh, can I have a train, please, to get home? Uh, yeah, you're gonna have to wait till uh, like eleven o'clock. Why? It's like nine o'clock now. Why now? Why? Uh, because there's no track. There's nobody to help you on the train. I was like, well, find somebody because I'm cold and I want to. I'm full of beer. <laughs> I've had a few. Find somebody because I want to go home. You're gonna have to wait. Yeah, you're gonna have to wait. And I was like, no, find somebody. Anyway, my yeah. PA who was also my friend, was with me. I, I basically was like, no, f- find somebody. No, find find somebody. <laughs> this went on for about 15 minutes. I turned to my PA, who was also my friend, and I said, come on, Lynn. She was like, where are we going? I was like, get out me on the train. Um, and we got on the train. Some, <laughs> some bloke like, picked the front of my chair up and put me on the train because I thought I am not waiting. I'm not being dictated. To- I want to go home. Why yeah. is it? I mean, the... You also think, how long does it fucking take for somebody to be like, all right, we'll radio to the train and be like, can you get a ramp out of this carriage yeah. when you get to New Street? Yeah. And then they do it and then they take the ramp away and you go, all right, thanks. Bye then. Yeah. Like, what is that? Yeah. Eight minutes of their time. Yeah. You know what also amazed me? Right, so I, don't, I can't remember if Birmingham buses have got it, but London buses have all got the ramps where you just the hit a button. You, you hit a button and the ramp comes out. I'm like, why isn't that just a thing on a butt on a train? Yeah. Why isn't that just it wouldn't be so much easier because guess what? I don't need you. Yeah. Step free access is what we need. And I know that there is a campaign to get step free access on train. We love the DLR. Yeah. <laughs> but um my God. I mean I I can remember getting on the tube for the first time and my best friend Tom was so overjoyed that he managed to get me on a tube train. He was like, she's on a tube. Oh, my God, I've got her on a tube. I've got her on a tube because there's not many tubes that wheelchairs can get on. I did feel horrifically sick because I'd been on a a Thames River taxi and then got on a tube and I thought I'm going to throw up. But he looked so happy I couldn't say anything. So I just looked. looked... The only thing that's weird is like, like as you guys probably know, Travelling around London, there's so many train stations that are just inaccessible. Yeah. But the thing that yeah. froze me completely. So my local train station, Bexley, I can travel back to Bexley. I can't travel from Bexley. Yeah. No. Fucking <laughs> hell. It's, it's the same with uh, Litchfield. I can travel back from London, from Litchfield, 
but I can't yeah. go from Litchfield to London. Well, I wasn't, I didn't used to be able to, but they've made it so that there's a lift so I can get to the other side, side of the station. Oh, yeah. yeah. When um, when I, we first moved to Loughborough, um, fucking 20 years ago, because I'm old, <laughs> um, we had to cross, like, they literally, they put the thingies down and I got to cross the tracks oh. to get from yeah. one platform to the no. other and never done I that used to have, oh i used to have recurring nightmares about trains and <laughs> that i was just i wonder fucking why <laughs> you like some sort of victorian silent movie star being tied to the tracks and the trains coming and you're like <sighs> no i'm just you know i'm there with some random portly gentleman in an orange jacket yeah. you know <laughs> who's guiding me across these who has absolutely no fucking idea who i am and i'm 17 and feeling exceptionally vulnerable yeah. and it's just like here let's walk you over the tracks oh don't worry that train's a good three minutes away and then when you get on the train you're sat near the bog and it stinks yep or you're verbally yep. abused which is always fun yeah mm. why do you get special help duh <laughs> <laughs> i will swap you you're being able to see everything for my spe for the special help that I get. Oh, I, you like get, you get free everything. Fuck off, mate. People. <laughs> to be fair. Can I also say as well, people with cycles like bikes on the train parking in the disabled spot and then looking at me like an yeah. alien. Like, yeah, and. Yeah. Like, can you be yeah. can you, like going? Yeah. Can you move, please? Can you move, please? Okay, or can you just like cycle to Birmingham, please? One or the other. Other one that Lucy, you actually both of you probably get this. People walking directly at you, which is my other one. When I'm in, in the shopping centre, people walking directly at. I'm like, who is easier to swerve, you or me? You pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like playing temping bowling, isn't it? I do. Yeah. Like, I do quite like to. Um, get right up behind people if they're moving really like, yeah. I don't do it to old ladies but people like my sort of age who are just dawdling and I just think move 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 and then I get right up behind yeah. people that use lifts in um, shopping centres who don't need to use lifts that annoys yeah. me particularly at the moment where like you can uh, you're only meant to it's not meant to be one person or one family per lift it's like fuck what are you doing just use some escalators you haven't even got a walk they you've got a fan there I will caveat at this like point, yeah. devil's advocate. Yeah. There are a lot of people with invisible disabilities. I know, I, and that and, is completely understandable. But it's the people. And that... I absolutely appreciate that you, we can be, we've absolutely, I, I can promise, at least once all encountered a person with an invisible disability that was something really fucking ignorant bastard. <laughs> but. They have a disability that we can't see or can't identify. Yeah. And, you know, I've been in that situation myself before I had my dog. So it is, you know, we are sitting here and we are bitching about it. But I think ultimately the point really that needs to be made about all of this is that it's the failure of the system, yeah. you know, yeah. to not provide enough disabled access so that regardless of how many people with whether they've got visible or invisible disabilities... Yeah there's somewhere for people to fucking sit yes. to make it standard that you know like charlie said you can press a button on the train or on the bus and you've got yourself a fucking ramp 
Like if that stuff was done as standard, then we wouldn't be bitching. We wouldn't have this stuff to complain about because it wouldn't, you know, now at Loughborough, they've got lifts and they've got a bridge and it's great. And I, that's what I use. I don't have to walk across the tracks yeah. like some, you know, 1915 silent movie star. It's like we say at work, if you put the right access in for disabled people, it benefits everybody, you know? Look, there hasn't yeah. been a one ramp put in that has made able-bodied... Life more difficult for people. For non-disabled yeah. people. It's a ramp, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you, if, you, if you take the time to invest in, in adequate access for disabled people, you run a winner everywhere because people with problems... People, you know, who are a bit unsteady on their feet, they, they might be able to walk perfectly fine, but they might be unsteady on their feet, having places to sit, you know, mm. regular yeah. stops. It helps everybody, not just people who are in wheelchairs. And I think until, whether it will, but until society goes, actually, we've got a point that, you know, until you can see that, until society sees that side of the coin, I don't. I think we will always have this problem with there isn't enough places to sit because they just think it's going to cost more money, you know? Yeah. Charlie, was there any... We like to get people to sort of have a bit of an opportunity to maybe have a rant about something or whatever their kind of passion project is. Is there, you know, anything in particular that you'd like to make sure is kind of out there by the end of this episode or...? My biggest thing as well, and some people disagree with me at this point, though, is that I want to make, uh, talking about dyslexia, really open conversation, because I also feel like there is often fear from the able-bodied, if you want to use that phrase, um, community that they can't ask these questions. And that's why I am mm. so much of an open book, because yeah. I'd much rather you fire all your questions at me and I answer them, than you sit there just talking away to yourself because you're thinking oh can I ask this question can I not and I think that's the other thing as well that's my worry when it's hard because I want the urban community to fight their corner and obviously say what they don't don't agree with but the difficulty is with that is then do you then make it make people more standoffish about talking about it do you know what I mean it's a really hard yeah, no it's it is a hard one and I think it's partly the issue is that it's it's got to be a two-way street you know there's got to be an element of people in the non-disabled community learn some fucking sensitivity and maybe spend 30 seconds thinking before they open their mouths but then there's also people in the disabled community who perhaps recognize that you know as lucy said before you might be the first person with a disability that this person has met you know it's the fact that the question I get asked most often when I'm out and about with my guide dog is, oh, were you training her? Is because it just goes to show that most people assume from what they see like on TV and in the media, but also probably what they see in real life is that people who are guide dog users are all older. But I was born with my disability. You know, I wish I'd got my guide dog 10 years earlier than I did. And it's it's that kind of you know there's a part of me that every time I say to people no she's my working guide dog like I I'm so sick of having to explain it to people but there is a part of me that kind of goes 
next time they see somebody with a guide dog, they're not immediately going to go, that's a trainer. Yeah. Because I, she's under 40. I think the other thing is there's a lot of pressure on, like you say, if you are the first person someone meets with a certain condition or any condition, there is a certain level of pressure on that in terms of, obviously, if you're really standoffish, and, and uh, this goes for anyone, anyone could be an arsehole. But if you're an arsehole, mm. that's going to be what, people go oh i'm not going to do that anymore because this happened last time yeah and- it's so hard though because i just and we've had this conversation with somebody another guest it's just if there comes a point where you go well whose whose role is it to have to keep doing the heavy lifting because it's always the disabled person I think, that does yeah. the heavy lifting yeah i think what you what, what the ideal ground for that conversation to happen is you need you, you know all right the disabled person does the heavy lifting, but the able-bodied person has got to be receptive to that inf- that information. They yeah. can't be like, "Well, that's not why." Don't uh, don't argue with, if we're telling you. Don't argue with <laughs> us because it's our lived experience. Don't be then telling me, "Well, actually, no. I, my cousin's auntie's sister has got cerebral palsy, and she can do that." Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's you it's just, really hard. Yeah. And I think it completely depends on the the tolerance of the person. Like I'm, I, I'm very, very laid back with it all. I'm very like the, I'll, I'll roll with the punches, but that's just the way I am. But then people mm-hmm. are, people like you say, people are very different. That people tolerance tolerances for that and putting up with that are very. But it's really hard to find sort of a happy medium where we can educate those that don't know, but then are not singing till we're blue in the face the same story. Um, and it's, it's it's really, really hard. I remember I had an in-depth conversation with one of my friends who's quite into sort of over-analyzing something. And he he, he did, he brought up the point of, like I say, how, where where comes the point of we stop doing the heavy lifting? It's a two-way street. You can't expect um, you to do it all and then someone else not to do anything. And then it also comes into the element of you can explain something so many times, but if a person wants to be ignorant and ignore it, then they're not going to learn it. And then you you wasted your time. I think as people are seeing with kind of issues of systemic racism is that you can do diversity training and diversity training and diversity training until you're blue in the face. But there are people out there who just won't listen. Right. And the only way that you can fix that and the way that you have to get in before those issues are ingrained and that means we have to be getting into kids and we have to be going you know and it needs to be part of a every child's education is just an understanding and openness towards difference regardless of what it is Mm. and Mm. to build also building a level of education of going well if a person is in a wheelchair that means for some reason they have got mobility issues that means that they are going to need wider doors and you know flat surfaces or whatever and that needs to be a basic part of a kid's education so that when they see a person in a wheelchair and they see them having difficulty with things they don't go oh it's because that person's in a wheelchair they go it's because that person's in a wheelchair because they have mobility issues yeah. and then the the issues that they're having As the problems they're effect. facing yeah yeah, yeah. and i think it's but, better. that is getting better i mean kids are a lot more particularly from when i went to school it was, people kids are being more exposed to it at an earlier age so they are picking up on it a little bit more 
um, as you say, it's just having that conversation with them in a way that it's going to sink in because you know it's all sort of down to the the level and the understanding of the kids. Obviously, if you're going at them with all the political reasons why we should do this, then it's not going to it's not going to sink in. You need to do it in a friendly way, and I think that's the other thing is finding that that happy medium because the the best way for someone to take in information is if they feel comfortable yeah yeah and i think that's the that's the other side of the coin is how do we get to that point as well what's the right way to talk about and i think the other thing that's interesting and this leads into a lot of other stuff is oftentimes those educate people uh about disabilities aren't the ones with disabilities like it always makes me chuckle when you go to wheelchair services and the bloke standing there, six foot four, never sat in a wheelchair in his life, and you're like, Hello, what? Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, Charlie, it would be good now if you, you said you're a YouTuber and stuff. Where can our listeners find you? Where can they follow you? Uh, I'm literally NQPC everywhere. Um, so I'm NQPC on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Uh, I'm LinkedIn. I'm Charlie Randall, but um, yeah, everywhere <laughs> else I'm NQPC. So that's where you can find me. I, I post as much as I can, random stuff about disabilities. So hope you enjoy it. But yeah, if you do want to find me, that's where you can find me. And I just also want to say that obviously everything that I've brought up is purely my own opinion. I'm I'm a big advocate for ha- people having their own opinions. You might not not agree with mine, but those are those are my views, and I'm going to say them. So whatever everything goes so if if you don't agree with it that's fine and uh yeah thank you for having me on guys thank you thank very you much for so coming much on, for your time charlie it's been lovely to speak right. to you it's actually quite nice to have a proper chat <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know rather than the emails going charlie could you just do this for me please um yeah. so, uh, thank you so much for your time charlie i look forward to working no with you in the new year no worries have a good have a good evening guys speak to you later bye Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labelled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved.